I want to ask is you, Dr. Z. So you, when we were talking to you, you mentioned that um, in your opinion, that most people who want to engage in sex need to keep these three C's in mind. It's kind of like your three pillars on how you think that people should move when it comes to having sex. And so if you don't mind for our listeners, if you could break down what those three C's are, I think that'd be really a dope way to start off. Oh, yeah, I can absolutely do that. Um, so these three C's, they're not really all inclusive. There are probably some things they're missing, but they cover a majority of the things that are important in all relationships, but especially in sexual relationships. Um, number one is consent, um, which needs to be evaluated multiple times throughout the process. Um, number two is being conscious about your actions and the decisions you're making, who you're making those decisions with. Um, and the last one is communication. Communication is super important in all of those relationships. Okay, dope, dope, dope. And I wanted to just alley-oop straight from you, Dr. Z, to Marissa, talking about um, consent, because she had a really cool kind of breakdown of how she looked at consent and what a lot of people should um, keep in mind, because consent is kind of hard to understand sometimes, right? Like a lot of behaviors have become normalized, even though uh, they're not okay, but they've just kind of become the way that people have interacted in relationships. So she has kind of this really cool analogy breaking down um, five a five dollar bill and how that relates to consent. So go ahead and break that down for them real quick, Marissa. I can't take credit for this analogy. I saw it on Twitter, and I'm not sure where the source is. But basically, when you're about to engage in sex, just really think about I got five on it. Um, so someone has five dollars and i give you the five dollars that's point number one point number two is i gave you five dollars once so you can't assume that i will give you five dollars again point number three is i am handing you the five dollars your hand is on the five dollars but i've changed my mind and i no longer want to give you the money Point number four is I have $5 in my purse and you take it. And then five, of course, is you offer my $5 to someone else without me knowing. So I got five on it, five points of consent. And a subset of consent is coercion. So if at any point in time uh, you have to manipulate someone into having sex with you, uh, that has voided your cons voided your consent and voided their consent. So um, a sexual form of coercion is if you all are kissing and a man becomes erect and he and the whoever um, does not want to go through with the sex and the man says, "Oh, I'm so erect. Look what you did with me. Like we might as well finish." That is coercion. And then another form. Um, of consent and just making sure it is consensual at all times because as Dr. Zoe said, there are multiple checkpoints that you want to establish is make sure throughout sex that each partner is enthusiastic, engaged, and has an excited um, response. So there's three E's. So there's three C's and three E's. You know, uh, if at any point in time your partner is hesitant, unresponsive, or it seems as though they're just going along with it. Communicate and ask for confirmation. Is it okay if I kiss you? Is it okay if I penetrate you? Do you like this? And that gives them the opportunity to remove consent. I think that, um, thank you for that. I think that consent's so difficult um, just because it seems like everybody's views of consent are different. And even in our explanation of consent, it can be misconstrued. I just think consent is something very important that you need to discuss and just be on top of the entire time because there's so many ways that it can be misconstrued. I'll say that I think that um, Marissa had made some really good points talking about like how to be aware when consent is given or when it's not given. So like I'll speak from a man's perspective, right? If I am spending the entire day with you, right? And this isn't going to be any assumptions. This is just going to be... Um, uh, necessarily maybe just trying to, I guess it is assumptions, but trying to kind of fee feel how the mood is going. Um, but if I'm spending the whole day with you, maybe there's some physical touch involved, like you're kind of like rubbing up on me, I'm hugging up on you, everything like that. And you even suggest like, hey, why don't we go back to your place? As a man, I think that most men would interpret this behavior as saying that you are interested in 
going forward with maybe the next actions. And that's not always the case. And that ends up getting a lot of people kind of caught up. So I, I guess like, is that where the communication kind of comes in right at that point to like, right when you get to the house to be like, yo, you know, kind of like, Hey, are we, are we going to go there? And, and it can be awkward, right? Like you could be sitting there and you could be coming back to the crib and in your mind, you're like, you don't want to come off as, uh, I guess you don't want to come off as kind of lame. I, I don't like using that word, but you don't want to come off as that by saying like, hey, would you like to have sex with me? But, <laughs> but at the same time, that's basically mm -hmm. what communication is. And yeah. I think for a lot of men, that feels right. weird, right? Mm, can I can I get this one, just a part of this one, Zoe? Yeah, of course. I I think communication is flexible and needs to be adapted to sex. So, and Amanda is probably going to speak on this, but there has to be intention behind everything, you know? And if you go out on a date with someone and your intention is just to get to know them and the vibes are flowing and they want to continue with that great time and you're driving in the car and you're like, hey, you want to have sex? That may ruin the vibe. I, I think communication to Zoe's point needs to be established at all checkpoints. So you can think this kind of in your head, but say you get back to the house and you're on the couch and she just wants to, or he just wants to cuddle with you and watch Netflix. You know, maybe they just, they, they just were enjoying the moment so much they didn't want it to end, but you communicating, you know, on the ride back to the house, like, are we going to have sex? It makes that person think, well, to me, it would make that person think that that was your intention on asking them out. Right. So, so I wouldn't be as stringent with communication, the definition of communication. You know, there are different ways to communicate when we're talking about intimacy and sexual, um, sexual communication. Um, so I agree. The only part I would say differently is that when it comes to consent, I feel like there's only one way to communicate and that needs to be verbally and clearly. Correct. Correct. I completely agree. I just was the car ride from we're at the park and now we're about to Netflix and chill. But yeah, it needs to be a clear cut. Yes or no. There, if there is any gray area in regards to consent, you don't have it. Period. Right. Because I, I guess the idea is that if I were to say, to the to the lady or to the guy who I'm spending the evening with, if I were to say like, hey, do you want to have sex? And they say no. And they said no, because that necessarily, quote unquote, ruined the mood. Right. Like that threw off the mood. Then I probably shouldn't have had sex with them anyway, because that already meant that sex was something that we couldn't even talk about. Mm. Or is that or is that is that is that kind of misinterpreting uh, is that kind of misinterpreting how communication should flow? I see, I see where you're coming from and I don't really, it's just, it's so each situation is different. I feel like if it were me, if it were me and I am with a person and I'm enjoying their company and they are enjoying my company as well and would like to progress to a different level and they, and I didn't feel comfortable with that. And they said, oh, I'm interested in you. I would like to do this. I would just say, well, I enjoy your company, but I, I don't want to do that. And for me, that doesn't mean that the whole night is ruined. To me, honestly, I respect the person more because they were upfront with what they were feeling and communicated with me from the get-go. And so now if they if they disregard my no, then the night will be ruined. But the communication, I feel like the whole thing right. is yeah, yeah. you know what sometimes lame is cool because I would much rather someone be upfront and say what they feel and mean what they say and us have a conversation where I say yes or no and then we keep it moving from there. And you know what? That's why that's kind of why I didn't want to use the word lame, because I felt like lame is the reason why so many people get caught up because we think things are lame. Right. And then uh. to Zoe's point, um, I would rather someone we're chilling, watching Netflix and they look at me and say, hey, so like, do you want to make out? You want to, you know, fool around a little? I would rather them say, ask me that. I say no and we go back to watching the movie, then, you know, all of a sudden the energy changes in the room and he's all, you know, like, or super close to me and like breathing on my neck and trying to kiss me right. because now it's created an awkward situation. So I don't think that's lame at all. 
And and it may speak- be awkward. It may be awkward, but get over it. <laughs> okay, so this is the thing, and this is me as a man learning a little bit more. Um, we've all been in situations where you've done something spontaneous, um, and maybe it's worked out in your favor, right? So, like, you're on a date. I'm gonna give some hypothetical situations. This was not me. Hypothetical. You're on a date. The date's going really well. You end up uh, after the date, maybe y'all go back to the spot or whatever, whoever spot it is. And y'all were having great conversation or anything like that. Maybe she got up um, to go fix you guys some drinks or something like that. And you came up behind her and gave her a little kiss on the back of the neck or something like that. Just to kind of see how like how that went. Now, that turned out well in your favor where she lets you know the next day before that that really got her aroused that felt so sexy it felt so awesome and in your mind you're like okay so that means that's a cool thing to do or that that works but in that situation you didn't show consent because you really just kind of you went rogue so like how can we help out people who are in those situations where like the spontaneous moves have worked but they still need to establish like that's not necessarily gonna be always okay you know what i mean so i feel like you and i have had this conversation before about relationships and communication and uh marissa said earlier about being you know intentional and we're getting to this age and really it's not really we're getting to this age i think that if you're being smart you're going to be intentional in all of your relationships and so we're talking about this moment of being spontaneous and maybe getting intimate but really that if you're being intentional, you have gotten to know this person, communicated with this person prior to this moment happening. And so a lot of communication can happen prior to this moment that gives you a little bit more of a guide of how to navigate it. You know what I mean? Mm. But you still, I guess the, the the biggest thing here when it comes to consent, right? Just to make sure that we drive one point, point home, you still are always in the clear you're always way better when it's very blatant when there's no like there's no like oh i i think she's feeling me or i think he's feeling me when it's very much like yeah this is what they want to do and we've had so many conversations about normalizing consent like that's been such a thing but it still feels very it still feels very um uh it still feels very what's the right word guys it still feels very uh like out new, of awkward, yeah. new, taboo, still trying to decipher it. Yeah. Still trying to decipher it because there's so many times where um all of the nonverbal behaviors have yes, kind of like have yes. just kind of like worked out. Like it worked out and it's and it didn't end with any person feeling violated. It didn't work with any person feeling betrayed. But we are starting to learn that those like nonverbals aren't aren't enough like there's still a lot of people who will go through with it because they feel uncomfortable or they feel like there's pressure on them so they're gonna and go then, ahead and have sex and, and it then, bites okay yeah go ahead so, go ahead go ahead so, so right there no i i think the world is changing i don't think situations like that will happen anymore where people will feel as though they need to go through it i think you gave a beautiful example you know you all have spent the entire day together you know there was a point in time where the date could have ended and both agreed to extend the date, okay? So now there's a point in time where the date could have ended again and someone takes initiative to go and make drinks and I'm the other person agrees. Like the mood is relaxed. I feel as though the energy is inviting. So then taking that spontaneity it's almost like you've been leading up to it so you don't want to at every point in time like can i walk up behind you can i give you a kiss on your neck like just yes <laughs> like i'm making a drink so we can relax so understanding and then again this may be a first date this may be a third date you know you may be a very confident person you may be a shy person it's not a peanut butter approach i feel like everybody has to mold it to their own experience because you know it should still be sexy it should still be spontaneous i know for me i would be extremely turned off if i've spent the whole day with you and now i'm going to go get a drink and you're like terrified to give me a hug from behind and a sweet kiss on the cheek that's me 
Um, but you have to read the energy. You have to, as you said, pick up on those nonverbal cues, but you don't want to ruin the moment by almost naming out loud, I'm taking a step towards you. I'm grabbing your waist. I'm kissing you. Is all this okay? To me, that's that's a no-go. But to someone else, they may need that because of traumatic past experiences. You, you know what just popped in my head? It, it seems like there's learning to do on both sides. It seems like there's learning to do from the person who needs to express consent and then the person who needs to then give the consent. Um, because let's say that we're, we're going to keep going with this with this scenario. We're sitting in the room. You went to go fix some drinks. I'm sitting on the couch. I take a look at you and I'm like, man, you look fantastic. I would like to go over there. And you know what I'm saying? Like, go ahead and show you that. Yeah, I think you look fantastic. That's going through my mind. But from me learning something from this conversation, I'm like, OK, let me let her know where I want to go. And so I can open up the conversation and say, yo, Stacy. Um, to be honest with you, I appreciate you for like letting me into your home and we had such a great night. Um, but I want to make sure that you're comfortable before like anything else happens tonight. Like if we could just kind of make sure that we are on the same playing field. I think that may work. And then but it also requires Stacy to then say not that he ruined the mood or that he made things uncomfortable, but I almost respect him more. Right. Mm -hmm. I almost respect him more now. And let me let him know that. I like spontaneous gestures. So yes. I'm going to yep. let him know, like, listen, um, I appreciate you for letting me know. And honestly, what will do it more for me is moving forward if you just surprise me with something. That just made it completely clear. Everybody's good yes. now. Yes. Now me sitting yeah. on the couch, I'm like, oh, sh it's, it's, it's a wrap. Yeah. And then it puts the ball in Stacy's court to where if, you know, the guy is a little shyer and she's making a drink, she can urge him over and say, hey, come here. And if he's thinking like, I want to hug her and give her a kiss on the cheek, he's been invited over. So now he can do it without having to act. Like he's been inviting, invited in. But remember a part of consent, just because you've been to this woman's house once and you come back, the energy may not be the same. So make sure you're applying different approaches to each and every situation because you don't want to assume because remember one of those pillars was I gave you $5 once, but don't assume that you automatically will get $5 again. Mm, yeah, stay humble. Okay, we're going to go ahead and pivot to the second C because we're going to get Amanda and Zoe to jump in on the second one. So the second one is conscious. Can you kind of break that down for us real quick, Dr. Z? Okay, so it kind of ties into everything, but being conscious, how I think of it as just being conscious about what your where your life is going, what you want to do with your life, because having sex can ha can be a moment of pleasure, but it can also extend to an 18 year uh, longer moment of other pleasure, raising a child. So um, it could also extend to months of treatments for certain things. So you kind of want to be conscious about who you're being with, the decisions you're making. And that ties into communication because if you are communicating with someone prior to getting intimate with them, you're intentional about who you're sleeping with. You're intentional about your status, whether you guys want to get tested together or you have already been tested and you tell each other that you've been tested. You're intentional about things that you may like and things that you may not like. And you've had those conversations before. And that kind of helps with both the conscious part, but also the consent part. Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about that just a little bit more, Amanda. So talking about like awareness and making sure that you're having conversations involving like, yo, have you been tested recently? Um, what's your sexual status? Are you sexually active? Are those conversations, um, are those conversations really hard to have? Or are we making those conversations way harder than they need to be? Um, I think we, we make them harder what they really are to be because a lot of the things dealing with sex is really straight up cut to the point. Like it's either a yes or no, you know, like uh, Dr. Z was saying, you know, had these conversations beforehand with your partner or somebody who you're newly engaged with. What was what's the things that they already done? What they like? What you know? Um, are are you been tested? Have you have? Has it been in the past six months? Three to six months? Um, you don't really know how what how active they are sexually, but you need to know if they are active and if 
they have at least get between three to six months tested. Like whatever you do when it comes to a new partner, get tested, period. I don't care what anybody else tells you or what they tell you. Oh, I've already been tested. Ask them for them papers. Out here be lying. People out here tell you what they, they oh, I, I know, I know I ain't been doing nothing. Sir, ma'am, whoever you dealing with, don't, don't be, the BS is, it's the biggest book line of book. Biggest lie. Mm-hmm. See the papers. And, you know, if they don't feel comfortable getting tested with you, you know, go separately and then come back and join with your results. Um, you know, be conscious of, you know, other things too. Like some people, you might have to go back, you know, ask them about their sexual experience because you don't know what somebody has been through sexually. Uh, I don't want to really get into it, but as far as like, you know, uh, molestation, rape, things like that, that can affect people's um, decision to have sex because they might not feel comfortable to engage with somebody, whether if they really know them or not. Some people just don't want to relive that moment. So actually um, learning their past a little bit about sexual experience and then probably figuring out ways to make them feel more comfortable if you if they decide to get to that point is is good because then you're 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 showing your attention that you really care about this person regardless of the sex because you want to know what it is that makes them tick. So um, big, big thing for me about consciousness is definitely getting tested and um, knowing their background about their sexual experience, because a lot of things you just don't know could trigger back up when they like, even with a kiss or, you know, a little simple grab on the neck that, that could trigger them saying that what happened to me, you know, when somebody was riding by in the park and somebody grabbed my neck and put me in the alley. You know what I'm saying? I don't want people yeah. that those, these motions that you were giving an example about, are always good because you don't know what somebody has had in the past. So definitely learn the person um, outside as well as inside. So Absolutely. you dropped a, you dropped a lot of gems. Yeah. You dropped a lot of gems with that one. Cause one thing that stood out to me was with the testing, but this is a conversation that I have with a lot of people often, right? If you are sexually active with multiple partners, let's say you belong to the streets and you're just I going out not. here and you, <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know what I mean? Like you're out here, but you're, you're, um, you're just connecting with multiple people. It can be very hard, I think, or at least we make it hard. Let me not say it can be hard. We make it hard to, um, with someone who you really just plan on hooking up with that one day, make it very hard to like, like go and get tested together. If y'all, if she or he hasn't been tested in a while or anything like that. So, I mean, can you kind of like give us kind of what we were doing with the scenario with kissing, kissing in the, in the living room. Can you kind of give us like a walk by walk on how, if you are just hooking up with somebody for the moment, like how we should maybe maneuver that with trying to figure out if they're tested or not. Like, what does that conversation kind of look like? Um, I think it's usually, well, I want to say usually, I, I think people should, you know, if they decide to get to that point, you know, the scenario you was talking about to definitely just, I think you should just straight up ask because the, the representation of you wanting to know about this other person, I think it's important. And it shows the other person that you care about each other's sexual status. Like some people just out here just doing whatever they want all nilly willy and don't give no craps about what people got or what right. they got. So I think it's engaging in that, you know, just asking you know, hey, like um, before we get into this, you know, when's the last time you've been tested? You know, and I, I hope people don't take that to offense and they shouldn't take it to offense at all because who wants to come around here and walk around? And they got the clap. Nobody wants that. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Nobody, wants <laughs> Nobody wants that. Like, and then you'd be like, and then you get mad. You can't get but so mad because you never asked. How can you get mm-hmm. mad at somebody for having something that you never asked about? And then right. <clears throat> how can you get mad for even not caring for yourself? If anything, be mad at yourself for not even asking. Because you should be proud that, look, the last time I've been tested, it's up to study. Or maybe you should bring up the last time you've been tested. Maybe they may feel more comfortable to even say that to you. But either way, just ask before anything gets popping off if you decide and to go there. And luckily... Luckily, um, I don't know if all doctors do it, but most of your doctors now, there's like a little portal for all your test results. So you have it right on your phone. So, I mean, if you're doctor, you can ask about it. Like, 
I have my um, results like blood work, STD and STI testing. I have all of that on my phone, just like with everything else. Like my healthcare provider has a portal for all of that. If I have questions, things like that. So look into something like that if you can't or you don't have access to a free clinic and you can't get papers, like see if you can get the test sent in to a, a third party lab and get your results through a portal, you know? Those are all facts. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Yes. Right. And I and I agree with everything that has been said. And I mean, definitely Amanda had some pearls. Um I just I just feel like one thing I really want to get across in this conversation is just emboldening people to literally take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. We're in a pandemic. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's a pandemic or any other day of the week. The only thing that you can control is yourself. You cannot control how Absolutely. other people will treat you or how they will care about you. You can control yourself. If you know what you, you, you make sure you get your testing. And if you care about yourself, be upfront, ask them what their testing is. If they are, Reluctant, that's already a red flag. You ask, you ask, hey, when's the last time you've been test- tested? I come on, were we in school? And it's like, what <laughs> exactly? It's like, oh, goodbye. And then the thing is, like, how you, Jory, how you worded it, you're like, well, how do you navigate that moment on the yeah. couch? Yeah. Ideally, you don't. Ideally, you're not in that moment on the couch. I mean, of course, it happens every now and again, but ideally, you have been creating a relationship, communicating with this person, getting to know this person and already know about testing status and expectations when it comes to sex, sex or lack of expectations. You know that before you get on the couch. That's what we really need to get to. Now, that's, that's what I want to I want to pivot straight into that because Amanda uh, talked about some really good things. She talked about triggers and she talked about knowing what your partner likes. Both of those were really important. So like triggers, knowing what may really like end up kind of setting them off or, or putting them in a really bad place, but then also knowing what they like, what their expectations for sex are, what are the things that they they desire. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about the expectations first, then we'll get into triggers. But um, Amanda, going back into talking about what your partner likes. Okay. Walk us through that conversation. Like, what does that look like? Um, To me, that looks like... Um, you know, everybody knows the basis of the set is usually like penetration, like, you know, oral, yada, yada, yada. But a lot of things that people don't understand is how most people's bodies work. And I think a lot of that goes back to self-exploration, which they can go on now talking. But, you know, just understanding what your partner likes is asking them, hey, uh, you know, when when you like to have sex, what is it that you like to do? What What is the, your comfortable level? Like if I decide to do this, is you are you comfortable with that? Or, you know, list of things that you, you like to do to me, you know, make sure you do it from both perspectives because just because you do it from one side doesn't mean the other person's gonna like that. And also do not bring in your other past experience into your new partner because somebody else that like <laughs> that, this new person may not like it. You sitting here over here putting your fingers in the hole in the mouth yeah. and you're like, you start you start like, look, you start like, choking. They, you, they start, give me that look like, hello. Like, you start choking them out. You start choking them out uh-huh. and they're looking like, huh? <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, I didn't know this was going to happen. So yeah, like let 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 them know what you what you're really into. Like, and if and if you decide that you want to try something that you've never done, also give them permission to do that. Don't just assume that you say, like, Oh yeah, I got something new I want to try. Let, let me just do it. No, ask them, like, do you feel comfortable doing this new position or whatever, but never assume that your partner likes something because you have previously done it on somebody else. Like it's, always ask what they want. Right. And we have to, nor- we, we have to normalize communication in the bedroom, yes, for the bedroom, during the bedroom, yes. outside the bedroom, after <laughs> all of it. Oh, you made a good because point. you know what? After I could have said, I could have said, "Oh, yeah, we could do this." And as soon as it starts, I'm like, "Wait, that's maybe not what I want to do." Back it up, Terry. Like, but but right. at this point, we but at this point, we already no, got the no, pineapple no, no, juice no. out. We already no no got no no. The- you better come back in the fridge and use it for a mimosa in the morning because that is not what we're gonna do. Okay. 
Right. And Dr. Z, you made a good point about after. And I bring up after and people don't really do this. Communicate after. Ask your partner, how was that sex session? Is it what we've done? Something you would like to do again? Is it something that you um, would want to experience on a different level? Like bringing that, that brings satisfaction to people knowing that what they have given and what they have received is what they're looking for sexually. So communicate. Right, and that you care enough about me to want to right. know what's going to make me happy or not. Exactly. So, you and know, a, me- a lot of people aren't used to that either. Right. Because I've, I've done that. Like, we, like, we, I have done that where I've had sex and then the pillow talk, I'm like, so how was that for you? Like, what did you like about that? And mm-hmm. he was like, is this a survey? <laughs> So then that's like the awkward moments that Jawar is like, so you're just like, oh, so do I shut up now or what? So communication is key. And I think we we really have to talk about being confident with that communication. Like Dr. Zoe said, we need to embolden the listeners to put yourself first and your safety first. And, you know, one of my colleagues who's super popular right now, Megan the Stallion, one of her lyrics literally says, he thought he had me till I got him with the condom. So ladies, like you should be able to have condoms in your purse and have your STD um, test on your phone and ask those questions like, I, or even initiate that, Amanda. Like why wait to the end? Like say, hey, I like it like this or during, like I don't like this, I like that. And then afterwards, because the reoccurring theme that Dr. Zoe has said is, there should be checkpoints of communication. Like you shouldn't be getting undressed and trying to ask all of these things at once. I got so distracted. You said so many great things, but let me just rewind. Did you say my colleague, Megan the Salad? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I want to. I, I, I want to I get back to the communication because I feel like this is something that a lot of men are learning right now. A lot of women are learning too. Um, but it's it's really important, I think, especially from the conversations I have with my guy friends, to establish that communication throughout the entire um, the entire experience of having sex. Right? Um, for for uh, hypothetical, this is not me. It's all hypothetical. But for this hypothetical situation, um, uh, there was a guy who actually really did. Um, I think he actually made his partner. Uh, more willing and more vulnerable with him because he talked to her throughout the sexual experience and 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 uh, afterwards asking her like, hey, how did that feel for you? What were the things that you liked? Um, is this is this is this good? Like, is this something that you're really you're really feeling? How would you feel about this? Um, but I want to make sure that we talk about both parties because I think that the other person sometimes can be kind of shy to talk about what they like or to say like, hey, don't do this or don't do that. Um, give some advice for people who are maybe in the middle of sex and they're not too comfortable, but you know, some people may just like not want to break up the steam or ruin the mood, but how can we get past that and like have people get more vocal? I'm sorry. I honestly think that the mood is going to be more ruined by someone being uncomfortable and not saying what they want to say than it would be if you said something and made an adjustment and it got better. So like when you're in the middle of it, like if something happens and you're like, oh, I don't like that or no, do it this way. You just say it and you just say what you feel and just be upfront and both part. And I like what you said, because I feel like with all these things, it seems to always be, you know, not always, but mostly should be shifted to the man. Like the man needs to make sure he has consent and the man needs to make sure that he's communicating and the man needs to No, it is both parties. The weight lies on both of them equally. Men deserve the same consent that we want women to have. So, I mean, men deserve the same communication that we want women to have. Yeah, y'all, y'all out here kissing on our, y'all out here kissing on our necks, not asking us. I know, and it will never happen again after this podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, a lot. Of, I, I get the boot when I start speaking on both parties when it comes to things like that. And they were like, oh, and then, and then I'm just like, I'm not going to sit here and take nobody's side when it comes to human interaction. When it comes to interaction, there is no male or female anything. Exactly. Period. Like the same way I can have sex as a female, the same way a man can have sex as a man. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna violate his rights 
for him to say no just because I wanted to become a female. So what? Either you take that up with your bed and your pillow and your vibrator, or you're gonna go mind your business. Like you're not gonna sit here and force no man to have sex with you because you because you want it. But when it's the opposite way, oh man, all oh, heck gonna break loose. So yes, both parts really really important to address. Like just because you're a woman, you do not get a pass. I don't care what nobody. Mm-mm. And uh, as a woman, you should also be emboldened to speak up because you may have given, if you get consent at 3.45 and at 3.52, you maybe weren't feeling it. You can't be mad if he doesn't ask at 3.52 if you still have consent. You can say at 3.52, you know what? I'm not comfortable. Let's back it up, Terry. And if he doesn't back it up, then we have a problem. But we can't, we have to both, both parties, male, female, male, male, female, female. I don't know what mathematics you would like to do. But however, when you have two people, they are two equal people, and both of them have to carry the weight in making the relationship go forward, stand still, or move back. Let me shift it over real quick to the triggers as well, because one thing that I want to make sure we uh, touch on is how to react when you gain that information, because a lot of people don't know what to do with the information about triggers. Um, like, let's say that you're on top of somebody, right, during intercourse, and they let you know afterwards, like, hey, that is very triggering for me because of whatever maybe sexual abuse or a sexual situation I was in and having like some big domineering person on top of me made me feel very intimidated, make me feel small and made me feel uncomfortable. I think a lot of people may not know exactly how to move right after that with that information. Like, do I comfort her or him? Do I comfort? Do I, uh, mm-hmm. do I just never do it again? Do I figure out like, what we should do. Do I go, do we go see therapy and try to work through this? Um, But let's talk about those triggers, like what to do once you've gained that information about something is really unsettling for a person. Um, I think the first thing is to apologize, whether, Mm -hmm. even though you know it's not your fault, still apologize because that's reassuring for the person who's dealing with the trigger. Um, Also, um, you know, affirm that you won't do it again and then suggest a different way to do things. So that to me, that's showing that you identify the problem, right? And you're reassuring the person, hey, I, I see that you told me you don't like this happening because of such and such. Okay, I'm not going to do it again. I apologize. What are some other things you would like to do that make you feel good about doing it that won't, you know, take you back to that that dark place? Like offering other suggestions help lets people know that you you still want to do this, but you you find other ways to do it. What about you, Doctor Z? I think that you were about to chime in too. So I guess my chime in is that I find that to be an extremely difficult question, and I feel like it's really hard to answer okay. because. One, whatever I say, I'm speaking from a place of not having experienced something like that, and I can't put myself in someone's shoes. Um, part of me wants to think, if I had been through something, I would be, I would be, I would be communicating and trying to like either work through counseling. But when you are hurt, sometimes you act out in hurt ways, and you get yourself in situations like this where you maybe feel uncomfortable. I, I just, it's a hard, it's a hard question for me. I don't really have a good answer. Um, I think communication needs to happen prior to someone being on top of you. And that is if we start transitioning to having more communication before getting in bed with one another, maybe we can decrease the instances of those triggers being an issue. So, yeah, I mean, even 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 if this is something that maybe you're a little bit more self-conscious about, we have to normalize saying like, listen, right before y'all even do anything, right? Like y'all are sitting in the bed and you see he trying to find a little Spotify playlist. He done found a little candle that he could light. It got a little, um, what's a good one? Cranberry Mandarin. He got a little, (laughs) you know what I mean? I can't. Yeah. You got to get the scent right. You know what I'm saying? And um, before anything happens, as he maybe like comes closer to you and stuff like that, maybe you're like, listen, before we do anything, like these are kind of the things that I want to make sure we've talked about or I want to make sure that everything's cool. And and I mean, maybe that conversation kind of to your point, Dr. Z, maybe that's even before y'all get into the bedroom. Right. Because when you get into the bedroom, one person, two people, y'all get excited. Inhibitions leave. They disappear. Your brain, it stops working. Hmm. You just do what you, 
I know that cranberry smelling real good. Your soul <laughs> and you lose it. And so I feel like we'll put ourselves in those situations where we know that we could be vulnerable and we're like, we could be proactive. We just need to be a bit more proactive about our interactions. Right. And that goes to back. Like, even if you are in a moment, you still need to address the situation, like apologize, uh, definitely apologize. Say it won't oh, yeah. happen again. Is there other ways we can do these things? Like you don't want to completely ruin the mood, but you know, alternatives. And I mean, and then what? There's nothing. uh, So I mean, if you enjoy doing putting your arm, your hand around someone's neck, and that could be a trigger for them, you could say, "Is it okay if I do this before you do it?" I mean, just communication. You could ask before you do. Sometimes you don't think about those things, but you don't want to put do something and someone freak out and have a moment, and then it's like. I've hurt this person worse than they've already been hurt. You don't want to be that person either. So, I mean, it's really communication. That all makes sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. One thing that I wanted to make sure that Amanda chimed in on, when people start bringing like toys and different things like that into the bedroom, um, how do you make sure that, uh, or I guess, let me not even propose the question. Let me just make it more general. With vaginal health and things going in and out of you, like, how do you make sure you're not jeopardizing any of that with all the toys and playthings that are coming into the bedroom? They want to start putting, they want to start putting uh, all types of sauces and syrups and and whips and things. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything coming into the bedroom. Oh my God. <laughs> sauces um, and syrups. Well, first of all, definitely. Um, if you're gonna bring in toys, always sterilize them before you use them. So have your cleansing <laughs> tools before you use a toy. I don't care if you own it or not. Clean them. And if you feel like, you know, should you use a toy that you don't own? Like if the the other person comes and they bring, <laughs> yo, so, so he's like, this is insane. Yo, I should mean, you if, use it or should you own stuff that you own? If you're comfortable with this person and their toys, I don't see why you wouldn't use it just clean it but if you're not just only use your toys but ask them to only use yours but you know if you feel extra you know scared out there put the condom on the dang on dildo whatever you use exactly yep put it up just just for you know that extra protection but you know just keep them clean like put them in the hot water the one that you know don't really need the uh i know some of them are waterproof well, a lot of them are waterproof. Uh, if they're waterproof, just boil them in the water for a couple minutes or, you know, have like a, a cleanser, spray cleanser to use or whatever. Just sterilize them like you do a baby bottle. It's the same thing. Boil it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Do- Dr. Z, any thoughts on that about like uh, what's going in and out the veg? I can't. Oh, my God. I'm actually... I'm like clutching every pearl I own right now. (laughs) I'm dying. (laughs) Oh, that's so so gross. So, I mean, we've we've exited my wheelhouse, um, but from the medical standpoint, (laughs) um, when I think about the vagina, I think of it as a natural self-cleaning location um, that has its normal bacteria and its normal pH that it likes to stay at. And anything introduced to the vagina, whether that be a toy or a penis or or sperm, whatever, or, or hands, I guess, whatever you introduce can affect the pH and the normal bacterial balance in the vagina. Um, so I just I just say leave it alone. Um, I can't say not to do what you would like to do, but I think that those sanitary practices that Miss Amanda spoke on are really great things that we should do. And um, yeah. I'm out my wheelhouse here. No, that's all right. I know one thing that you I know that one thing that you really did care about though, Dr. Z, was making sure that women know um like after sex the things to do to make sure that you're you're still like, you know, cleaning cleaning everything and getting everything off. I think you were saying earlier that like making sure that you take showers after sex is like a must. So the first thing we usually always say is after intercourse, urinate. You have to pee. You have introduced bacteria into the vagina, which is very close to the urethra. Then you get a lot of times people come in and they'll complain of UTIs after sex and they don't urinate afterwards. 
Um, I take it a little bit further with my patients and I always recommend that after intercourse, they get up, they urinate and they take a shower just so you can wash off the bacteria externally. And if you're not, I, I mean, I hope that we're all using protection, but if you're not using protection, you also want to, you know, relieve your vagina of any foreign bodies. Um, cause that's also going to change the pH of the vagina, which increases your risk of infection. Um, most Commonly, you'll see people come in with bacterial vaginosis, um, BV, as you guys may call it. Um, it's just an overgrowth of normal bacteria in the vagina. Um, and that overgrowth usually is stimulated by a change in the pH of the vagina. So, um, and that happens with introducing new things. So I know we talked about like people using yoni eggs and I'm not really a proponent of yoni eggs. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a proponent of leaving the vagina alone and letting it do its work and not introducing too much into the vagina unnecessarily. Um, but yeah. And this, this may be, this may be a little ignorant of me, but with pH, is it primarily, cause if you leave your vagina alone, you're not really doing anything, even like with the underwear that you're wearing and stuff like that, you're buying stuff that you feel like may not be affecting you too bad. Is it just based on diet? If your pH levels are starting to fluctuate? So the pH of the vagina is affected by multiple things. Um, one, we recommend cotton panties. Um, they allow for you to have breathing. The vagina needs to breathe. Um, I do recommend that patients uh, sleep without underwear if they feel comfortable because I think it is important to let the vagina breathe. Um, when you're taking a shower, you do want to clean, but you want to just clean the outer parts of the vagina. You don't want to introduce any soap into the vagina. So you're really just cleaning the vulva, which is the outer parts of the vagina. That's like the clitoris the hood of the clitoris, the inner and outer labia, and just don't put soap or anything, no douching. Um, the vagina cleans itself. That's why you have um, discharge. Your discharge is a lot of times your vagina doing its work to clean itself. Um, and I feel like people do a lot of things because they want their vaginas to smell like roses and sunshine. And that's really not what vaginas are supposed to smell like. Um, vagina is not odorless. I mean, if you have a strong abnormal smell that could be your body telling you that there's an infection. Um, so you kind of have to listen to your body and diet. You want to eat a healthy diet. I know there's lots of things where you eat pineapples and it's going to make things sweeter. And you know, that may be the case, but pineapples are a fruit and they have lots of sugar. And if you don't have diabetes, go ahead, eat some pineapples. I don't have a problem with it. But don't put pineapples. <laughs> but don't put pineapples up your vagina. That's what we got. <laughs> not if you don't have diabetes. If you don't have diabetes, go ahead. See, now I was gonna say, depending on who you're messing with, depending on how kinky they are, they're gonna be like, "Yeah, go ahead, slide that up there." And we trying to make sure with this episode that you stay informed <laughs> that you don't do that. Absolutely not. It's it's like you're asking for trouble. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to put something with bacteria's favorite food, sugar in a warm and wet place where bacteria likes to live. Make that make sense. That's never going to be a good combination. Yep, that is true. So as we wrap it up with the last point, the last point was communicate. And we kind of talked about that with consent and, con and conscious. It, the beautiful part about it is that all three are kind of interwoven, right? Where consent, conscious, and communication are all kind of three parts of the same circle. Um, but Marissa and Amanda... Do you have any advice as far as the last point you want to drive home with communication? Communication is sexy. Oh, talk about it. I'm, I mean, it, it's sexy. I mean, it, it shows you're confident. And to Dr. Zoe's point, men and women should feel emboldened and empowered to be confident in their sexuality. And it takes time to get there. You know, um, you... When you choose to have sex, um, you mature along the way. You know, when you're first learning your body and you have that first sexual experience, you may like something that you may not like five years down the road. So right now, communication can be scary. And then once you are married or have been around the block a few times, you are a master communicator. So ease into it, you know, look up some tips. I would say the first thing is eye contact. Usually if you are in an intimate situation and you make eye contact and you kiss your partner, 
a smile will follow and then it will get you talking. Like I, and it could be some, something as simple as I like that. Like, yes, like just something. Um, but communication is sexy. Communication is necessary and confidence and communication will translate over into other things because you know, you'll be at work and somebody will say something slick to you and usually you would hold your tongue. But now you're just like, hmm, that didn't land on me correctly because you're you're being more intentional about your communication and communicating what you want, what you need, what's working for you and what's not. So I wouldn't say like use sex to build corporate confidence, but it possibly could, especially if you're like kind of meek and shy, you can be a different person in the bedroom and become very dominant and confident and communicate that way too. So get out of your comfort zone. I like that though. Communication can be sexy. And I think it's sexy because it pays off. I think it's sexy because it pays off. Like you really do get people to be way more open with you and to enjoy every part of the sexual experience a lot more when things are understood, when there's no room for a gray area, no room for assumption. Um, this is, this is what it is, right? Like we've talked about it and, um, I'm making sure that I am doing the things that you enjoy. You are making sure that you're doing the things that I enjoy. And if at any point, neither one of us are comfortable, uh, there's no fear to talk about it and there's not going to be any like backlash about it. It's just going to be a conversation. Um, Amanda, what about you? What do you want to drive home about communication? Um, I like everything that um, Marissa said. So, um, you know, I agree with everything with that. Also, another point was to um, be aware of body language. Body language is another form of communication um, in the bedroom or wherever you're at. Like, know, know when somebody is feeling uncomfortable and know when, you know, they're feeling all right about it. Just reading body language, you know, the square and all that type of stuff. You got to be aware of that because some, you know, some people might make a face. They, yeah, you know, they're not gonna like that. They face look like they taking a poop or something. Like you don't want to continue. To I, uh, I can't even believe that this. I can't even believe that this didn't <laughs> pop in my head when you were talking about body language. I but know. Even, even talking about um, like the the lubrication, right? Like if a woman is starting to um. I don't want to just say like dry out, but maybe that is the best way to say it. But if she's just not as, if she's not as lubricated, um, is that always kind of an indication that things are wrong or is that just sometimes that can be a natural thing? And actually, Amanda, you go ahead and finish your point, but I am actually interested to get that answer from Dr. Z, but go ahead and keep running your point, Amanda. That just popped right. in my Yeah. You know, just, just understand the body language and, you know, communicate with the sounds as well. Like don't just, Sometimes people don't want to talk. I mean, you should talk, but I mean, if they don't, just listen to the sounds and their body language. And, uh, you know, just to touch on the point of dryness. Yeah, vaginal dryness is real. And you have to indicate whether it's coming from the the sex not being interesting or is it a more of a medical issue? And I'm pretty sure Dr. Z can touch on that part being a medical issue. But, you know, vaginal dryness is a real thing and people should not be afraid to use lube when it comes to that. Like, it helps out a lot because... You know, that can uh, affect the man and the woman because you you start creating friction and that stuff hurts. Like imagine taking a whole bunch of rubber bands and rubbing it and like putting it across your arm for like five minutes. That mess going to burn like skin in your pubic area is the same way. It's going to burn if you don't have no lubrication. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, she might have to. She might not be interested in him anymore or things ain't going good or it could be a medical issue such as vaginal dryness. And even if you got that WAP, still use lube. Um, the Honey Pot, which is Black-owned, has an amazing lube that, to Dr. Zoe's point, will help you balance your pH. So anytime you're having sex, like make sure you're taking care of your vaginal health because to also to Amanda's point, it's friction. Like, to have a healthy vagina, have a young vagina, make sure it's lubricated. Like even though you got that WAP, you don't need it. Like put a little something in there because um, the lubrication from your vagina, if you uh, include something else with it, you may not have like that soreness that next day or, you know, just that 
that after sex smell even. So uh, just consider it. Uh, the Honey Pot, once again, is black owned. It's amazing. They have a panty refresher spray and a lube that I would highly recommend, especially if you have um, sensitivities down there. Mm. Dr. Z, is it always, yeah, I was going to say, is it always just a matter of being uncomfortable or it, are, is it more often than times like medical, it deserves medical attention with like dryness sometimes? I mean, D, all of the above. So sometimes, I, I think we talked about this prior, but we haven't really talked about it now, but foreplay is super important when it comes to sexual intercourse. Um, making sure that each party is excited about what's happening can increase lubrication. Um, lubricants are also something that you can use. And some, it's not all, some people do just create less lubrication and it's not a medical issue. Um, as we get older, women, when we are around menopause or once we pass menopause, that doesn't mean we stop having sex. Um, but you can be drier at that point in time when we recommend lubricants um, because you have decreased estrogen. And so there are multiple reasons why um, you could be a little drier. I can't speak specifically to Honeypot because um, I don't really know their ingredients. Um, I haven't really looked at it before. Um, but there are different kinds of lubricants. There's water-based, silicone-based, and they're oil-based, and they're also natural lubricants. Um, we usually first will recommend water-based lubricants, and that's kind of more of the KY jellies and stuff like that. Um, and honey pot may be, a I'm not sure if it's water or oil-based. Um, the other thing is coconut oil. It's a natural lubricant. Um, if you're someone who likes to use natural things, that's another option. Um, it's just communication. Get excited. Foreplay does not only happen <laughs> Hypothetically. And hypothetically, it should not only, it should just be play. Because foreplay implies that it happens before the act and then it's not necessary again. It could, need, it could be necessary a quarter through the act, halfway through the act, at the end of the act. I mean, you don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of foreplay, hypothetically. Bye, man. <laughs> no, but that's, but that's real, though. Sometimes you just you be like, yo, let's slow it down. Right. Hold on. Let me hold on. Let me give you out a whole conversation because this is where you know what I'm saying. This is where I know a little something. You'd be like, yo, let, let, you'd be like, yo, let's slow it down. Let me relight the candle because the candle went out. Let me relight the candle. Um, and let's let's kind of let's kind of start. Let's kind of start fresh a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like we getting real hot, real heavy. But I can tell that we just right now we just bumping hips. We ain't really we ain't really into the we ain't really into the energy. So let's go ahead. Let's slow it down. Let's start with a little bit of maybe some words of affirmation thrown in there. Come on. <laughs> and, um, oh, bro. Lord have mercy. Just, <laughs> you hear you, bro. <laughs> just to answer Dr. Zoe's question, honeypot is water-based. Okay, cool. I'll have to look into it. I, haven't, I mean, I've heard of honeypot, but I don't, I usually don't uh, give specific brands to patients. I usually kind of just tell them, what what they should use and they kind of do their own research but that's something i'll definitely look into yeah mm. I, I third i third the water base i prefer water-based lubrication over anything oil-based i mean i don't know i mean rewind oil-based we just usually don't recommend that much. and so co coconut oil it was coconut oil considered oil-based for the lubricant it would technically be considered natural and oil-based yes mm-hmm Gotcha. But, you know, some okay. people like the other thing is when you have lubricants, they have to put um, certain chemicals in them to preserve them so that they stay they don't go bad very quickly. And sometimes people have allergies to those things or if they have a flavor, someone may have an allergy to the, to the flavor or the colored dye. So um, you kind of have to like think about those things. That's why I recommend um, coconut oil for people who are like all natural. Um, it's a good option. OK, well, that was our uh, that was our conversation, ladies. I so appreciate y'all. I so appreciate y'all. And let me let me explain let me explain why I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all because this is the thing. We gotta normalize a lot of this stuff. We gotta normalize mm -hmm. consent. We gotta normalize consciousness. We gotta normalize communication. We all got friends. All of us got friends that can improve in those areas. And even ourselves, we can improve in those areas. Um, because sometimes you just you in the swing of things, right? Like mm -hmm. you in the swing and it's hard for you to remember. Um, but making sure that one, everybody is cool and everybody's on board will stop you from ending up in adult jail. Um, two, 
with the consciousness, you'll have better sex because you're aware of what your partners want, what they need, what their triggers are. And then three, with communication, you'll make sure that everybody feels like they're heard and everybody feels like they're getting what they want out of the sexual experience. So that makes a lot of sense. I so appreciate the three of y'all for being here for this episode. Um, And thank you. Thank you for giving me your time. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you, Jabari. Appreciate you. You know the vibes. (laughs)